Hello, dear sister in Christ. My name is Pat Domang. I'm founder of On Fire Ministries, and at On Fire Ministries, our mission is to ignite a passion for Christ in the heart of women and to inspire them to apply God's Word to their everyday life because I believe that God's Word really does work. So today, I want to invite you to join me as we look at lessons the wise men of long ago teach us today. So as we enter into this last week prior to Christmas, I pray that during this Christmas season, Jesus meets you where you are. Where your heart hurts, may the Father of mercies and God of all comfort comfort you in your tribulation, that you will be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which you are also comforted by God. When you feel the warmth of love in your home, celebrate the good and perfect gifts that came to us from our Father, our Heavenly Father of lights, remembering that the greatest gift that He gave us was love. In those moments when tensions and strained relationships disrupt your joy and your peace, ask the God of hope to fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you find yourself in a place of drought or famine, do as Abraham did and by faith call the place the Lord will provide. Ask him to supply all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Jesus Christ. When your home is filled with plenty and abundance overflowing, thank God who is the one who gives us the abilities and the abundance, who blesses us with all things at all times. Having all that we need, we are able then to abound in every good work. So with that being said, let's look at the story of the wise men in Matthew 2, 1 through 14. Matthew 2, 1 through 14 says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Now, isn't this interesting that the ones who came to worship the newborn king were called wise men? What made them so wise? Well, these men were scholars in their day and time, and they studied the stars. They sought divine truth in the stars, and God revealed his divine truth to them by giving them a sign in the stars. Now, surely we must consider the wise men wise because they sought to find and to worship the newborn king. Now today, our reality is much the same. Wise men and women still seek to find and worship the king. I also find it very interesting that the wise men brought news of the long-awaited Messiah's birth to the earthly king. And scripture says that all Jerusalem, and this included the chief priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, that they were troubled. In other words, God's chosen people responded to the news of the king of the Jews' birth 
negatively. Their reaction was not excitement for the coming of this long-awaited Messiah. And so what is that about? Well, I thought through the possible reasons for their negative response. And here are a few of my maybes. Maybe they were troubled because they weren't first to know about his birth. Instead, wise men from the East, not their people, knew first. That might have stung their pride just a little bit and their delicate egos to think that God would not first reveal this news to his people. Possibly, life was going pretty good in Jerusalem and all the people, Jews included, thought that this newborn king would disrupt their world. And if that is the case, they got it right. Jesus definitely disrupted their status quo and he still disrupts our status quo today. Now, maybe they wanted the Messiah to come according to their terms so that they could fit him into their world how they thought best. That sounds a lot like us today. This sounds like a real possibility knowing ourselves, knowing how much we have control issues. When anything threatens our control, it can be extremely troubling. All of these probably have some place in their distress over the news of Jesus' birth, and we could probably discuss a few more possibilities. However, I can't help but think that their desire for control was at the heart of their issue. Aren't we the same? Our first reaction to the possibility of losing control troubles us, and we never meet losing control with excitement. In our tendency to overrate control, we often underrank Jesus. However, the most blessed, fulfilling life that you and I will ever live is giving Jesus control of the things that we most desperately cling to control. Think about how we want to control our kids, no matter what their ages are. Think about how we struggle with conflict and dissatisfaction in our jobs and how that often points to a lack of control over people or circumstances. Ministry is much the same. And if we could only change and control our husbands. Our marriages would just be great, right? And finally, if we could control our finances, we would be problem free. However, the reality of the promise of control is a lie. The truth is we only have control to the degree that God allows us to have control. I can't help but think of Proverbs 14, 12 that says there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. And then 2 Corinthians 2, 14 says, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. These scriptures show us that our control leads us to death, but God leads us in triumph. So as we look to discover what makes the wise men wise, their desire to see the king, to worship the king, overrode their desire to stay in control. So what makes any of us wise? Another proverb, Proverbs 9.10 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Fear of the Lord is not about being terrified of God, but honoring and revering Him in awe of Him because only He is 
fear worthy. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Ephesians 1.17. And Ephesians 1.17 is a prayer that Paul prayed for the Ephesian believers in his day. He prayed that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give to them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And that is exactly what God gave those wise men that night. When they saw the star pointing to the divine newborn king, he gave them wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. So the wise men went to worship the king. And the difference between the wise men and God's chosen people in that day was worship. Worship happens when we acknowledge that there is an all-knowing, infinite God greater than ourselves with abilities beyond our own and a better plan than ours. Our desire to stay in control hinders worship. Worship comes when we know God's control in our lives provides safety, security, and a peace in the midst of troubles and abundant blessing. And do not mistaken that I'm saying no troubles happen in a believer's life. I am not saying that, so that's not what it is. But in the midst of the troubles, we still find a place of peace and safety and security in Christ. So we read in Matthew 2, 4, that King Herod asked the chief priests and the scribes who knew the scriptures about the birthplace of the Messiah. And they responded in Matthew 2, 5 through 6, in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So they quoted scripture. They knew all too well. But the wise men believed scripture and they came to worship the coming ruler. Those who worship the shepherd follow the shepherd. These wise men were not concerned about control. They longed for the shepherd, wise men and women long for the shepherd. Think about that beauty of the sheep and the shepherd. Sheep are numbered and known. They are protected and prodded by their shepherd. The sheep identify with their shepherd. Sheep find their direction from their shepherd. The good shepherd seeks his lost sheep and he fights for his sheep and he gives his life for his sheep. John 10, 10 through 11 says that the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So dear sister in Christ, Jesus, the good shepherd gave his life for us. And that is what Christmas is all about. The gift of abundant life, the gift of eternal life, and for all the people in this world who will accept and receive this beautiful gift. So let's remember to be like the wise men and worship the king. Go tell it. Tell who Jesus is. Go tell what we have been given. Tell it on the busy streets, in your businesses, in your homes, in the schools, in the colleges, in the malls and the stores as well. Tell them that Jesus Christ was born, that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life, that Jesus Christ died a horrific death, that Jesus Christ rose from the grave, then ascended to heaven alive. Jesus Christ 
always lives to intercede for us. And Jesus Christ will come again with majesty and might. What a beautiful gift that we have been given. No matter where we are, who we are, or who we are not with, who we're with or not with, no matter what we have or don't have, God came to earth to be everything that we need in every circumstance. This Christmas, let's remember to be like the wise men and worship. Psalm 29 2 says, give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness because Jesus Christ is worthy of our worship no matter our circumstances. So I want to finish out with a prayer today for each of us. Precious Heavenly Daddy, make us like the wise men. Help us be women who delight in your control that we know you as the good shepherd and experience the blessed, fulfilled life that your control affords us in Jesus' name. Now before I say goodbye, I want to invite you to join me on your favorite social media platform whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Pinterest to get daily biblical encouragement for Christian women. Also, check out my website, onfire-ministries.org. To read my blog, you can get free biblical resources there or Bible study for you personally or group study. If you found this podcast beneficial, please take a moment to rate and review and share this podcast with others because it's a way that it helps others find the podcast and maybe these very words the ones that someone else needs to be encouraged in their faith journey today. And until we meet again, have a blessed and beautiful day.